0: TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien kristoff and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien kristoff And I'm Brett Hill. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, a guest who has uh, been on television on the uh, first four series I guess season of uh, good chef bad chef. She's also had a had an incredible journey um starting from naturopathy and nutrition and going through that journey she's learned a, a ton tons of information especially actually working in a vegan restaurant. So we're going to be welcome to the show Janella Parcel.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Janella you had a great journey overall like talking about uh, you know going through school and going through um, you know going through the, the education you've gone through some experiences and, and going to these you know into media what has been the biggest challenge for you transitioning from your old diet to your new diet because what you mentioned in, in your bio what i didn't talk about was that uh, you grew up in a family from a lebanese mother who cooked a lot of you know um you know meat chicken and vegetables and white rice and garlic and olive oil then you had to shift because you recognized that um you know you were in your 20s and you didn't really, your health improved but because of a change in diet rather than, uh, you know, by avoiding meat, chicken and wheat?
1: You know, the easiest part of it, it was actually quite easy because um, we did this for kids and my my parents were really busy. They ran their own um, business. So I just took over as the house cook when I was about 12 because it was given to me. Can you just take care of that, dear (laughs) Nellie? Which was wonderful because I could then experiment with different things and take certain like pasta out and bread out and I learnt so much from my maternal grandma about food and it wasn't hard, you know. I know maybe because I, I just accepted that there were things I couldn't eat. It wasn't – I didn't resent that. I didn't resent food and think, well, why can't I eat white bread and why can't I eat preservatives? It was just that's how I was and it was a, it was a journey, as you said, of, of discovery of what can I eat and, you know, 20, 30 years ago or 30, 40 years ago now it was – really difficult to find. I mean, we didn't have lupin flakes and millet and quinoa and, and fermented veggies and tempeh available, and it was tricky. So, But it was easy, actually. I didn't find it hard. I, thought, I felt it and saw it more as a privilege than anything else, that, I, that it did take me down this journey, and it created my life's purpose, really.
2: That's nice. I love that. It's true, though, isn't it? Like 20 years ago, we pretty much had blocks of tofu that were, um, you know, not very nice and maybe right. a whole bunch of um, beans that if you're lucky enough to get at the Danao market you could soak them up so it was it was difficult um, did you find Janella, that uh, in bringing your philosophies to television that it was difficult to you know mix in the mainstream nutrition game
1: yeah that's that was hard that was really hard it, you know mainstream media is a whole other universe and it's i found that you know people thought I was really freaky and you know, you know, non conformist and, you know, a hippie I'd get all the time and, you know, really out there. And people just you know, people are confronted when you don't conform or, you know, when you're a little bit outside of the box and they just you know, not eating having, you know, do you want a, do you want a coffee? And I'm like, Oh, I don't eat dairy. What do you mean? Was they just you know? Now it's like you want hemp milk, oat milk, almond milk, you know, organic soy milk, and you've got your own keep cup too. It's like it's much.
2: <laughs> it's almost like you're a bit of ahead of your time. Like I, I remember, like there's there's been a lot of great shows where the information has been ahead of their time, and now because. You know, might have a couple of trendy chefs, or you know, mm-hmm. some ripped abs. You know, it tends to get a bit more popular, and so I'm kind of finding, possibly like you, that the naturopathic philosophy, which is sound and it's the you know the mm-hmm. power that made the body heals the body and nature cure and all those sorts of things, are sort of leaking into mainstream, and it's actually kind of making it easier for us. Are you finding that?
1: It's kind of cool now. It's a little bit- trendy. Yeah, and people like I mean, shoes. looking at my Facebook page, it's amazing how much people know and how much they want to know before they would just like talk to the hand I don't, as if food's affecting my eczema or my child's behavior. They didn't go there and a lot of people still don't. But I think when I started, I used to say it's about 2% of people who cared. It seems to be a lot more than that now and a lot more men as well. Um, and it was really tricky in the beginning, but I had such a strong and I do have such a strong belief in the connectedness of the body, mind, and spirit. And you start with what you put in your mouth and, and your, then your thought patterns. It's it, it was a no-brainer for me to, to just keep going down. But, yeah, it, that track. And it is really trendy now, and I love how you said the root dabs. It's, that's funny because it is about body beautiful still and i'm t- trying to change that it's i'm trying to portray the message of health rather than skinny and starving and more people want want to know that they want to get rid of the shame and self-loathing about their their bodies and accept that they're healthy and well which is wonderful you know it's it's great
2: Oh, so true, Janella. We definitely find a lot of people um, get that those two things confused, don't they? They they get the um, the abs and the muscles and the rippedness confused with healthy and you know you know good looking on the inside. So um, definitely the media. Oh, look, there's been some some great TV shows of late that have actually started to portray that you can be really healthy and you don't have to be ripped. And uh, we, I'm not saying this about Pete Evans, because I don't know if he is ripped or not, but Pete's not the kind of guy that goes out there and gets all ripped up and muscle banded and all that sort of stuff. He's just delivering nice, high quality, um, healthy content, which is exactly what you were doing.
1: Well, hopefully there's more and more, you know, and when you do get high-profile celebs like Pete doing it, people are listening. I mean, it's just a fact that if you... It's helping people, us. Just celebrities and they like pretty as well. If you're a bit pretty, then it really <laughs> helps to deliver the, the message. But hopefully these celebs have got... I mean, they're not nutritionists and they're not... They don't have a background in health and food and I'm just seeing a lot of conflicting information around from some of these people. I mean, not necessarily Pete, but I've had been doing um talks at conferences with different presenters now who are new to this game and there's a lot of misinformation i sit there and go oh no you know because once it's out there like olive oil you can't cook olive oil that kind of thing and people go oh well i'm never cooking with olive oil again it's not true and once it's out there it takes a long time to you know straighten up these um untruths and so that kind of it worries me i wish i mean it's just a You know, I'm an idealist and I wish that people would listen to people who knew what they were talking about more and have had an education and a background and experience in this rather than someone who's been on a cooking show, really. It's just its a bit scary to me that.
3: Hey, um... Janella, one thing I noticed about your cooking show was that obviously you had, when you did the good chef, bad chef, you know, there was kind of obviously the contrast there and it was designed to sort of create a bit of backwards and forwards there as well. And and one thing I kind of felt like, I always felt a bit uncomfortable watching the show sometimes because it was kind of like they were poking fun at you a bit for being healthy and for wanting to do healthy stuff. And and I find that I think there's heaps of our listeners who can really relate to that, that they have friends and people around them who like to sort of, you know, jive them a bit, tease them a little bit, give them a bit of grief for being the healthy one for making different choices to what, I guess, the average population is. So how did you find that on the show? You know, how did you deal with it? And and how do you, I guess, recommend other people out there deal with that when they're getting a bit of grief for their healthy lifestyle choices?
1: Oh, you know, you it, as I said before, it's a little bit of um, a shadow. People get a, feel a little bit confronted by that because they think, oh, maybe I should be doing that myself and so instead I'm going to pick on them. and. You know, I, I used to have this Einstein quote on my wall, and I don't take this the wrong way, but it was that one that says, "Great spirits will often face violent opposition from mediocre minds." <laughs> and <laughs> I know it's a little bit full on, but it made me just go, "You know what? This I really believe in this, and it, and it's true for me, and I want to talk about it." And the, you know, it's funny because the other people would pick on me for being mean to adrian and some people would pick on adrian for being mean to me it depends on your perspective it's all about perspective and we need different opinions out there in the media we can't all have the same ones and it takes courage to do that, it takes courage to go and say, well, actually, I disagree with that and this is why. And we didn't have any of this info out there in media before. I mean, I was the first person, I think, in, on television to say, actually, some of these foods aren't great for us. Dairy isn't that wonderful all the time, especially processed dairy? It did take courage, but I felt like it was a, a message that I had to deliver. And at parties and barbecues and things, People do really feel uncomfortable when they change their diet. I don't know why I never did. I kind of I saw it more as I was bringing this information to people and sharing it, and people wanted it. They were saying, "Well, what's quinoa? Why are you putting that in your tabbouli?" Especially at big Lebanese functions, that was always cracked wheat and bread, and I'd bring different things, and people. A lot of people do care about their health. They do want it. But, you know, if you're sure of yourself and what you're doing and you're speaking from the heart, people listen. If you're speaking from ego or insecurity, they don't, and then they pick on you. So if you're coming from a good place, in an honest place, in a place of integrity, people listen. Isn't that
0: a funny thing? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great to hear that. You know, obviously you, you've, you've drawn a line in the sand and you decided um, to, to move forward with this. And I think people respect you. And, and obviously when you do that. And so when you have an opinion and a strong opinion on, on things, you're creating an impact. And the people who are going to love you, going to follow you, going to really kind of continue with it. Um, do you mind talking about, you know, um, you know you've done four seasons with, that, with the show. Do you, wanna, can, do you mind talking about why you left the show?
1: Yeah, no, not at all. I love talking about why the show. It's almost as good as being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually. It was really good for me and for for the reasons why I left. There was always a little bit of tension about different products that I had to use on the show because of sponsors, and that show and most TV shows are sponsor-driven. So people, companies, and, and it's mostly the companies that I don't, want to support, you know, the Mm. big ones that use a lot of sugar and preservatives and sulfur to preserve their foods, but they were the ones with money. So they would come and say, okay, here's this much money, but these guys, the chefs, the hosts need to use this product that many times in the show. So there'd always be tears before bedtime, and I would be, I'm not using that. I'm not using that, (laughs) and you need to check with me before or before you say yes to some sponsors, which we did, we ended up doing that. And Adrian would use, or Gary would use the products that I didn't want to use more than I, than I, or I wouldn't use them at all. But then towards the end, it was getting a little bit more, the show was so popular. And it was, and, uh, you know, I think it was um, scary for some companies because I was saying, this isn't good, this isn't great, this isn't great. And then it's on mainstream media. And these are the companies then that also have ads in between you know, our segment. So I was getting a bit of pressure to use meat and dairy and not beautiful organic or biodynamic or even locally produced whole dairy and whole meat and animal products plus GMO foods and sugar. I just wouldn't use it. But there was more and more pressure put on me to use it and I said no. So then a couple of weeks before Series 5 I got an email after seven years saying we replaced you with someone that will use it. So that was it really. I never. That was it, full Mm. stop. And it was really upsetting. I went through a lot of emotions, of course, like anger and resentment and revenge was a big (laughs) one. I just thought, you know what, feel everything and flood it out and then move on and that's what I did. And I was, you know, it just made me sad that I can't do TV anymore really because every time I've had meetings and getting close to doing my own show, it is all about the sponsors but you're going to have to use this. It's like, well, I don't want to. So... I've got a little plan and I'm going to start in a couple of weeks. I'm filming my own clips, three or four minutes each, 52 of them. They're going to be free to everyone on the internet and I'm just doing I've got one sponsor so I can do whatever I want.
0: That's great. That's great stuff. That's
1: wonderful. I don't want to be sponsor-driven. I don't want to say, oh, use this or use this. But if I want to say that, then I can but Mm. not be – beholden to anyone and it's just you know it is a different world the whole tv well they say it's five to ten years behind what's happening in in you know culture main culture and and, um with us now, like, but it's it's a bit sad really because it does reach a lot of people, but I'm not. I mean, as I said to them, how can I get up there after 12 years on television with a message that I've had to say, oh, well, actually, I didn't mean any of that. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can use this crap meat and this the chicken breast the size of a Buick and go right ahead and have that pasta of homogenized revolting milk. <laughs> like, it's this for, and pasta and meat and that's what... It's happening now with The Good Chef. I saw it once and it was chorizo sausage and cream and white pasta. Wow. So, like this, it's really sad. And people all the time say, oh, there's no point of difference. I don't watch the show anymore. And it is sad because it was getting more and more of a, it wasn't just cult. It was a, quite a mainstream show now. But they're not mm. getting that information anymore.
3: Well,
0: it's interesting. <laughs> well, it's interesting because when we, uh, when Brent and I just quite quickly looked at the show, um, you know just checked out before we got on the on the call with you you know and i looked at i go brett look at the sponsors <laughs> and I'm just like yeah. it's crazy and it, it's so true though and my question to you is that you know how do you think because we just interviewed um uh Damon, uh, who's uh who's got this sh- new movie coming out called uh, that sugar film and it's going to be talking about you know how sugars and you know in most um foods in in terms of our in for kids and and how it's impacting our our society but i would love to hear your take on how does that affect do you think you know from commercial television and the ads and also the branding and obviously because you were in that world and what is it doing to our children or even just to us as adults in terms of our health because of the promotion and the way it's done
1: if I'm understanding you Brad right, you' asking me about the sugar and how is the sugar affecting us in food no actually other- I'm
0: asking asking about just companies I mean the way we live in it we live we live in a very media driven world and so mm. there's you know the effect is obviously terrible um, mm. in a way we are you know for majority of the people who are not really into health that much but we're being I sort of somewhat brainwashed in terms of Mm. what is good and what is bad. You know, what do you, you know, what do you see the impact is for our children for the generation, you know, after us, but more importantly, how can we combat it? How do we, how do we change that?
1: You know, I think the best thing is education, as we always say, but empowering your children and letting them know what's right for them and what's not right for them and not being a really, really strict about everything. I mean, you just being, I was talking about this in my workshop in Brisbane yesterday, to lighten up a, a little, there's a lot of people who are really strict with their kids' food obviously and there's some people that aren't and most people don't know what to give their children. Impact. But I think PR and media, this has always been around. It's there to sell us, tell us what we want. There's. Have you seen the new magazine out lately called, now that's called New Philosopher Magazine? Mm-hmm. It's so wonderful. It's one of the best publications I've seen. And it was one of them, one story was about is, is meaning the new money and is our search for happiness making us sad? And a lot of it's about... PR and media teaching us, telling us what we want because we don't know and it's about consumerism, if you teach your children what they want and who they are and that they're the captain of their ship and the master of their soul, then they won't listen to that crap. They won't be going, Hmm. oh, I need a new pink, iPhone, you know, air, whatever, you know, laptop and I don't need to be like everyone else because I'm an individual. And it really is about... I mean, I definitely had that from my parents, that you're not you don't have to be like everyone else, and why would you want to be? There's no one you within you, as Dr. Zeus said. So if you can you know the kids can go to parties or school and go, you know, I choose to eat that Tim tam now, if I want, I know I probably killed an orangutan while I did it, and there's it's not going to biodegrade that packet, and the sugar's going to maybe do this to me, but, Make the educated decision and then live with the consequences. Instead of putting your head in the sand, most people are numb. Most people are asleep and they don't know who they are and what they want and what their needs are. But when they listen and see an ad that tells them, that's what's scary. It's not, I mean, the ads are only going to be talking to the people who don't know who they are and what they want. So if we can spend a bit more time on the psychology of our children, then I think that, because media's not going away, right? is not going away. Yeah.
3: <laughs> No, it's just getting more and more influence. And did you hear that, Lawrence? You don't need that new pink iPad. Did you hear her (laughs) say that? Oh, really? I was so looking forward to buying that. (laughs) Hey, hey, Janella, I'd love to talk to you a bit more about the foods and the show because I would say that a lot of the foods you were being asked to cook with that you weren't happy cooking with, Mm -hmm. there would be a lot of people out there in their kitchens cooking with these exact same foods Mm -hmm. and perhaps not even realizing that the impact that was having on them, why they shouldn't or shouldn't be using various different foods. So I'd love to hear from you. you which were the foods that they wanted you to cook with that caused you the most grief and, and sort of conflicted the most with your uh, yeah. philosophy and and why you know what, what are the things that I guess are getting into people 's diets that they don 't even really realize is bad for them that 's affecting their health
1: yeah right well there 's a few on my list but um GMO foods, GMO soy is a big one and it's soy, cotton, canola and corn. But the corn syrup is in, the high fructose corn syrup is in so many foods as we know, that one, and yeah. the soy, organic a or non-organic soy like in um, soy protein powders and it's, in, it's they use it as a filler in so many foods now because a lot of people are gluten intolerant and they've got, we've accepted this, the world's kind of gone, okay, we have a problem with gluten. I mean they used to laugh at me but now they're going, yeah, so they're not putting gluten so much as a filler. They're using soy. But it's genetically modified soy and it's an isoflav, and it's, it's, it's terrible stuff. So that one. And also, I mean, sugar, white sugar, of course. Palm oil. I don't want to be responsible for, you know, bringing down the Amazon or parts of Indonesia and ruining native animal habitats. I mean, palm oil is in so many things and it's called vegetable oil and people don't realize what that's doing. So the environmental you know, um, consequences of that. And then, I mean, trans fats are horrible and they're in lots of things to um, extend the shelf life. And then non, you know, not ethically ethically produced animal products are huge for me. I don't have anything against people wanting to eat animal products. It's the quality of animal products. Actually, someone said to me yesterday he was eating salami, but I bought it for him. (laughs) and It was made around here in Lismore and it was all beautiful and organic and he was like, it's really nice that you don't, criticize people for eating meat and and I don't it's more about be mindful of of the source of it and know where it comes from and eat less of it because people go oh it's expensive though to buy that kind of product but then eat less of it and eat better quality and really enjoy it like get an organic chicken sure it's like 20 bucks but you're not going to waste it and you're going to make hopefully stock out of it so it's about
3: You know, getting
1: the best quality, both in the same thing. So if you're buying a really yucky chicken that took a few weeks to grow and has been fed antibiotics its whole life, and then you're eating that, I mean, it's not good for anything, especially the chicken, but not for the earth and not for you. So animal products, I mean, people can't afford organic diets. They say, well, at least your animal products or cut them down as much as you can. Just don't don't be supporting that industry. The earth can't sustain it we can't sustain this much meat eating and you know that was the very thing i got asked to cook with as well that was the main thing to use that meat and the chicken and duck that wasn't ethically treated it sounds like it just was a no-brainer for me no <laughs> so those are those are the top things i think you know and if you're buying organic dairy then you can have nice milk and you're not having skim milk or lactose free or or whatever there's in four million other types of milks are you just eat whole food so those those are the main ones i think
0: you know you talk a lot about um eating you know whole foods and and you you know just recently talked about this thing called slow seasonal, local organic and whole and so Mm -hmm. what are some of the suggestions i mean we talked about what to avoid what are your suggestions for you know people going out going to the grocery store or going to the markets what foods are should we be looking for and you know what exactly how would how would you shop to make sure that we kind of avoid the things you just mentioned
1: Well, at a farmer's market would be great. (laughs) If everyone could go to a farmer's market, that would be fantastic, but I know that's not possible. And some people don't even like that experience because, well, they just don't. But if they could avoid packets as much as possible, so you get your fruit and veg from the fresh produce area, try and get things, I mean, definitely that that are grown in Australia. So if you're buying seasonally, that's the S, you're not going to be buying watermelon from Bangladesh in winter. Because you shouldn't even, you don't, your body doesn't want it then anyway, which is why I wrote Eating for the Seasons with a little list of what is in season because most people have no idea what's in season when because they're not in tune with their bodies. Mm. But if they can eat foods, fruit and veg that aren't in a polystyrene, I mean what's with the garlic and things in polystyrene kind of packed with glad wrap <laughs> over it? I mean that's <laughs> to be avoided. And the um, same with the processed and packaged foods. If you're kind of trying to avoid you know, yucky stuff in your life, then if you can avoid packets, then it's as simple as that really. But, I mean, that's almost impossible. I heard at a presentation the other day the presenter saying, you know, why don't you go for a month without any packaging? I was like, as if anyone is going to be able to do that. I mean, it's a nice thought but, I mean, I make all my own stuff and my milk and I grow my fruit and veggies but that I find that really hard. My tempeh comes in a packet. So it's really you have to be realistic and just try and get things that are Australian and less stuff in a packet and buy more bulk stuff if you can buy like your rice and, and things you use often and your tahini or your uh, olive oil and salts in big and your cleaning products in quantities and then refill I mean it saves a trip to the shop and it saves a container
3: So, Janella, as this episode goes to air, we'll be just heading into or or into spring in Australia. Um, So, you know, in spring, what would be like a day in the life of Janella? What what sort of foods do you like to incorporate, and and what sort of stuff would you have, I guess, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner?
1: I think in spring, I'm, I'm more inclined to do my smoothies in the morning, so I do them later on in the day in winter. So, I'd have a smoothie with my essential grains powder that I love the live stream one is just gorgeous, and I put different things like maca in it or rock cacao chia, uh, maybe some coconut water and some pawpaw, just throw everything in there um and then I'd have that early and then exercise, and I'd probably have some tempeh Or an organic egg with some of my sprouts I do and some hemp seeds and I make these really yummy seed crackers that have got all seeds in them and I use that instead of bread, maybe some avocado. I love breakfast, I'm starving. And then lunch would be something like maybe some millet or um, some legumes through it, some sustainably sourced quinoa with some steamed vegetables kind of business. And then I'm not very hungry at night. I think because I eat well during the day. And then night, I'd have something really light, maybe some steamed veggies and hummus with some sprouts and hemp seeds on it. Or sometimes, very occasionally, I eat fish because the, um, my neighbours catch it and give it to me, and it's divine. So I'll have maybe some steamed fish with some tamari and ginger on it, and then um, some kale from the garden that I've quickly sautéed, and maybe some coconut oil, that kind of thing, and maybe a bit of dark chocolate or two after dinner with a glass of wine, an organic one or two. <laughs>
0: Beautiful. And just talking about foods making me hungry. Um, you know, lately, obviously, we just mentioned earlier in the show about, you know, that sugar f- film. And we've also have been, you know, hearing a lot in the media about sugars and the good and the mm. bad. Um, can you talk a little bit about what your recommendations are on sugar, your thoughts on it, and your angle?
1: Well, there's sugar in this sugar, isn't there? There's white sugar, which is to be avoided at all costs. And we, we know that this is contributing to heart disease and obesity and diabetes. It's not so much about saturated fat, as we've been told for a long time. I mean, we don't want to eat bad fat, but you know, a little bit of saturated fat, light coconut products are fine. So it's more the white stuff. I mean that stuff is turning, it's fermenting in our guts and causing all sorts of gut problems and then that's where your immunity is stored most of it and serotonin, your happy hormones made. So sugar is a massive problem and people are really, really addicted to it, not just a little bit attached but addicted to it. Mm. So, I mean, they reckon it's harder to get off sugar than it is of hat heroin. And it's like, whoa, imagine trying to get off both. Wouldn't that suck? But, I mean, it's, it's a problem. So, I think instead of I don't take my patients or my clients straight off sugar, I get them healthier and then it naturally falls away. If they're eating good sources of protein, they're eating breakfast, they're trying to meditate, everything else is in balance, then, you know, when you are healthier, the negative stuff that you're doing just falls away. It often really does. It's not even like a, oh, I can't have that Tim Tam. It's like, why would I put that in my body? And that's what they get to and it's wonderful to hear that. So I think it's instead of the de- deprivation because if you deprive, you will binge and most people do that. If you can eat really good sugars, like get some coconut palm sugar, some maple syrup is just the best. We're finding more and more out about maple syrup and use it. And rice syrup is fine in moderation and so is raw agave. There's so many. And panella, beautiful sugars available to us. Now, why why eat the white one?
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You You don't have to have none. I mean, don't take the sweetness out of your life. Definitely eat it, but just get rid of that white stuff.
3: And so, Janelle, I'd love to hear more about your new show. You said you're doing a bit of an online show yeah. uh, and it sounds like it's going to be really exciting. So, so yeah. what sort of stuff are you going to be presenting? What, sort of, what can we expect to see? What sort of recipes, what sort of information yeah. are you going to share with us in that?
1: Well, I'm going to shake it right up. I'm going to do some recipes and, and lots of basics like a basic muesli, a basic bircher, a, a basic stir-fry, a basic curry. So, people can just go, I don't know how to do that. How will I do that? So, if they even just search on Google stir-fry or healthy stir-fryer, it will come up for them. And so I'll do lots of recipes and kids' lunches and snacks and, um, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, Vegan, veggie, raw, <laughs> soy-free—all of those sorts of recipes. But also, I'm going to go out on location because I live in the Barren hinterlands. There is so much going on up here. There are so many amazing people just doing some really cutting-edge stuff, which I like to stay ahead of the game and show people what's going on. It's not all about no. It's not about being a veggie or a vegan. I, I and I don't think it's realistic to think that most people are going to go that way. It's more about sourcing great products. And there's people up here with you know, biodynamic farms and using permaculture and there's just some wonderful things like the tempeh and the bay miso and, the, and all the fermented veggies that are coming out of here and how they're using, the, like the Nimbin Valley dairy people are using. They told me on Friday at the market they use, it takes 10 kilos of... Um, animal product to make their one kilo of cheese. So they've got nine kilo of whey left. And so they feed that then to their pigs to make the salami that i bought. That stuff's great. It's great for people to know that they're using everything. There's no waste. So I want to go to farms and, and people's homes that are doing some great stuff and show them that, that, that this is possible. It's a possible to live this way. It's not just for an elite few. Plus also recipes and products and how to make your own nut milks and all of that sort of stuff i don't know yet, actually is the answer
0: but <laughs> <laughs> It's creating as you speak that's which is yeah. great well i think yeah. it's it's great to be able to um to run a show on your own and to do it your way mm-hmm. rather than without having the uh you know um with everybody you know with all the ads and, and and pressure too as well which is fantastic and the media that we have uh, now is able to do that so with especially with youtube and and also oh, um bad. accessibility to all the technology well love, you, i heard that you are coming up with a new book and you're doing a tour uh australian city wide tour in terms of um uh, some workshops that you're doing can you talk us uh, you know tell our audience where to to get those books and also yeah. where to purchase the workshops
1: Sure. So the workshops, I've done um, Sydney, Melbourne. I did Brisbane uh, last Friday. So I've got Adelaide on October 26th and then Perth, November 16th and um, Darwin, December 6th. So the two-hour workshops, you can get the tickets on my website. I post a lot on my Facebook page about that as well. So that's a two-hour workshop and you just get a head full. There's all products on the table and I talk about everything. And it's really interactive. It's more like a forum Um, because I want people to ask questions and and lots of people have lots of questions, which is great. And there's lots of prizes, so I give away Vitamixes and big hampers of foods and alcohol, water, water, people are so generous with those giveaways which is great um so there's three more of those and my new book janela's supernatural foods is coming out november one that's a that's like 10 books in one what my aim with that was to i heard so many women especially say i'm making three or four meals every night now my kids want pasta my husband wants Meat, he doesn't think it's a meal without meat. I don't eat gluten. things going on and that's just, I, that breaks my heart, that, hearing that. So each recipe has got variations to turn that one meal into everything you need it to be. So it's like 10 or 12 or 15 different variations. So I've got spaghetti bolognese using tempeh or meat or using gluten-free pasta or not or using parmesan or not, but just how to turn one meal into, to make a lot of people happy. So that's coming out soon. And... Yeah, so and all my other books are available anywhere. Really, my website online, you can get them as eBooks as well. So yeah, but my, lots of information on my website. It's all there. It's easy to find. It really.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for that, and it's, it's been a great interview. And it's just really great to see the insight uh, from your perspective, but also too, just you know how media is uh, affecting our lives and, and your angle from that too. So thank you very much for joining us on the show.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you for having me.
0: Guys, make sure you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Wellness Guys or The Wellness Couch. Like us there while you're there. Share this podcast with your friends, families, and other strangers you think need a wellness update. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a five-star rating and leave a comment there too as well. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example. Let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guys Show.